Today's scripture lesson comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And, him, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the, that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? God, we come to this place. We come to this place seeking your words that will open us up, that will open us up to the life which you have planned for us, the life that you ask us to lead, the journey that you have before us. And so we ask that for this time and for this moment, you quiet within us anything but your words, that you still within us all things apart from you, and that you fill us up and you send us out. To God's name let me pray. Amen. So when I went to seminary, I promised myself that um, if I ever got to preach, if I was ever going to preach, that I wasn't going to shy away from the bad verses, right? There's, there's um, a book written by uh, Francis Taylor Ginch um, called Texts of Terror. And it's all of the scriptures in the Bible which are terrorizing which cause in us feelings of terror, which cause us to question who this God is that would do these things. 
And I promised myself I would never shy away from those because those are part of God's story too. And I regretted that decision at about 3 o'clock Monday morning. This is a hard passage. It's not just a hard passage for us. It's a hard passage for all people, for all people who have struggled since it was told around the campfire thousands of years ago. Rabbis have constructed stories out of it to provide meaning from it. Christians have reinterpreted it to make it meaningful for us, to help tame God somehow, to help make it more palatable and easier for us to understand. And none of those are totally satisfying because at some point we just have to realize that there are things which are hard. And that God asks us to struggle with those and to wrestle with those, that it's in the wrestling that we find meaning. And so we come to this text. Now we know the story of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was the youngest of sons in the land of Ur, and he was called by God to go and venture out into another land, a promised land that God had for him. And in Genesis 12, when God does that, he says to Abraham, I promise to you that your descendants will number as the stars of the sky. I promise this to you, just as I promise this land to you. And so Abraham, not quite believing God, packs up all of his stuff, everything that he owns, and takes along with him Lot and his brothers and his brother's children because he didn't quite believe that God was going to fulfill the promise. Abraham and Sarah venture over into the promised land, but they don't stay there long because there's some scary people in the promised land who already lived there. And so they end up in Egypt, and Abraham and Sarah, not quite trusting the promise of God again, choose to lie. You see, the king of Egypt takes a liking to Sarah, who's really pretty. And he goes to Abraham and says, hey, Sarah's really pretty. I like her. Can I have her as my wife? And Abraham, instead of choosing the harder path of saying, um, no, she's, she's my wife, tells the king of Egypt that Sarah is his sister. And so yet again, Abraham and Sarah are unable to trust the promise of God. Eventually, Abraham and Sarah leave and they go back to the promised land. And again, the tribes are still there. And yet another king takes another liking to Sarah. And you want to think that Abraham would have learned his lesson the first time, but does not, and does the same thing over again. No, she's my sister. Sarah, of course, having no say in the matter. And so they didn't quite trust the promise of God. And so one day, Abraham and Sarah are hanging out at their house when some men come by. And they say, can we have a place to stay? And Abraham and Sarah say, sure, we'll go and kill the fatted calf. Come stay in our place. And as they go to leave, they say to Abraham and Sarah, remember that promise from long ago, the one where God promised you that your descendants would number the earth? Well, that's going to happen now. It's going to happen now. And Abraham and Sarah laugh. They laugh in the strangers' faces for repeating the promise that they were told from the beginning would come true. You'd see they'd already had a son. Sarah and Abraham, not trusting in God's promise, gave Abraham to his handservant, Hagar, and had a son, Ishmael, who Abraham loved. 
The Bible tells us that Abraham loved Ishmael as his son, and yet not quite trusting the promise of God when those strangers reminded Abraham and Sarah that God had promised this all along, they laughed in the faces of those angels. And so when Isaac was born, they named him Isaac, which means he laughs because they had laughed in the face of God. Abraham and Sarah had a real problem of not trusting God, of not really trusting God, not trusting God enough to actually risk anything, not trusting God enough to risk telling the truth, not trusting God enough to risk their relationship with one another and with the people they were with, not trusting God enough to wait for the promise and to act on it when it comes with faith. So they have Isaac and they have Ishmael. And as the children grow up, this becomes a problem. And just before our story today, Sarah has demanded to Abraham that Ishmael may no longer live in their house because they don't trust the promise of God. And so they send Hagar and Ishmael out into the desert. There's no food and water there. They know what's going to happen. And yet they don't trust God enough. And so they send these people away, people who Abraham loved. And so it's interesting that this morning's story starts off with God's call to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham's only son. Isaac was not Abraham's only, only son. Isaac was just the only son Abraham had left. Isaac was just the only son that Abraham had been unwilling to risk at this point. God had watched Abraham and Sarah over and over and over again not quite trust God enough. And so God finally decides that it's a make or break moment. Can I trust you, God says, to fulfill my promise, to trust my promise in you? And so the test is not about faith and whether Abraham believed that God existed. The test was about whether Abraham was willing to act on his faith enough, whether the faith was enough for Abraham to finally do what God had been asking Abraham to do all along, which was to trust God. You'll note again, Sarah has no choice in the matter. And so Abraham and Isaac go off into the wilderness, Isaac carrying the wood for his own sacrifice. Isaac not realizing until the end that this was the plan all along. Isaac, who was at this point a teenager and able to make his own choices. And so if anybody in this story is a hero, it's the teenager who decides to trust God enough. Isaac who is the one who is bound and put onto the altar. You see, Christians call this story the sacrifice of Abraham. We focus on Abraham and what Abraham has to do in the story. The Jewish tradition calls this the binding of Isaac. Because the only person in this whole story who trusts God enough to risk everything is Isaac. I don't know if you've tried to get a teenager to do anything lately. I don't know if you've tried to get a teenager who can drive their own car to go on like an adventure with you lately, but most of them are not going to be like, yeah, sure, Dad, let's go on a four-day hiking trip we hadn't planned. Hey, Dad, 
why don't you let me tie you up and lay you on an altar? This seems like fun. And so the hero of this story is Isaac, who trusts his father enough to listen when his father says, God will provide. The hero of the story is Isaac, who allows himself to be bound, trusting in God enough to risk. Trusting in God enough to lay down on the altar and to give up willingly his life. Isaac passed the test. Abraham and Sarah never quite could do it. They never quite could trust in God enough, never had quite enough to risk. And the truth is that most of us are Abraham in this situation. We are very unwilling to risk. We are very comfortable with the faith that we have. Thank you very much. We are very comfortable with the life that we have. We are very comfortable thinking what we think and believing what we believe, and we are so often unwilling to risk being wrong. We're so unwilling to risk losing things. We're so unwilling to risk that God may have a ram waiting for us around the corner. If we would just go on the journey with God, we would rather stay still in the house and laugh at the angels. We don't want to risk things. We don't want to go on the journey. We are Abraham. And I wonder how many times we lose out on really experiencing God, really experiencing the grace that God gives for us, really experiencing the joy and tremendous depth of the faith that God has for you, holding for you, the gift that God promises to you. How often do we miss out on that? Because we're afraid. Because we're afraid. We're afraid that we might lose something. We're afraid that we may have to do something which makes us uncomfortable. We're afraid that we might be wrong about what God has told us to do. We're afraid that we might have been wrong in the past, and so we're afraid to step forward into the future. We don't trust God quite enough. The God who has always provided when we needed it. The God who never has abandoned us, even when we've abandoned God. The God who walks with us, who has always spoken, wait, stop, I have a ram for you. And as Christians, we hear this story, and it's impossible not to hear the story of Jesus, the one who carried his own wood to his own sacrifice, and who laid down his life for us and said, I do this because I love you and I'm sacrificing myself for you and because I am able to trust God enough to risk everything. And so my challenge for you this morning is what is it that you are holding on so tightly to? What is it that you are holding on to with both hands, unwilling to let go of? unwilling to move past, unwilling to sacrifice for God because you don't trust God quite enough. 
Yes, it's scary. Yes, it's hard. Yes, God may ask you to do something which makes you uncomfortable or which moves you outside of your area of expertise. Maybe God is asking you to change your mind about something. Maybe God is asking you to change your mind about someone. Maybe God is calling you to go back to where you were from in the first place and reestablish something. Maybe God is calling you to sacrifice something. Maybe God is calling you to risk something. God is calling you to do something. And the question is, do you trust God enough to risk it? Are we going to hold on to it so tightly that we miss out on that promise that God has? Your descendants will number the stars, he told Abraham. I know the life I have planned for you, a life for good, for purpose, he told Jeremiah. God will not abandon or forsake you, Paul tells us. God has got this, your grandparents told you. What are you willing to risk? Do you trust God enough to do it? Amen.